Well, good morning, church family. I want to welcome you this morning. I'm glad that you've joined us for worship today, uh, whether you're here uh, in the building or watching online this morning. Uh, just one thing I want to share with you this morning is um, this coming week would have been a, a pretty busy week for our church family as we would have begun uh, VBS tomorrow morning. Uh, and because of everything that's happening with the, the COVID virus and the uh, limitations that have been put upon us, uh, we had to think outside the box this year. And so over the last month, Pastor Caden and Amy and Elaine and, and uh, Michelle uh, have been working on putting together a our own written version of VBS in order to make it easy for us to put together uh, backpacks that say Ellington Baptist Church on them that have... Uh, things for them to do throughout this coming week, one for each day, uh, Monday through Friday. And so we actually took and drove those around to, well, in total, we put together 91 backpacks. And so just be thinking and praying about that because those have gone into the homes of uh, people that some attend our church, some do not. And so we're praying that God will use that ministry and uh, that uh, he will be honored by everything that's done with those. Uh, and two, just uh, be prayerful this coming week as well, because we are going to do a team VBS, because uh, the team group is a little bit smaller, and we're able to uh, utilize social distancing uh, in a different way with them. And so uh, we're going to do uh, that this coming week, uh, each evening, Monday through Thursday. So with all that said, let's go ahead and just uh, bow one more time here as we uh, focus our hearts and our minds on the Lord Jesus Christ and what the Lord has for us today from his word. So let's bow. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this beautiful day. Lord, we thank you for Sunday, that we can stop from all the labors uh, that we do throughout the week and to commit some time to you, to be able to focus and to uh, honor you through reading of your word, through prayer, through uh, worship and singing. And Lord, we just thank you that we can uh, open up your word today and ask that you would continue to teach us. And we ask, too, that you would just watch over all the VBS packets that have gone out. We pray for the, the kids that will get them, for the families that will uh, be represented with each one. And we ask that you would just use your timeless word and that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ would go forth with power into each home. And, Lord, we do thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we finish out uh, this section in Matthew chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 7 as we once again take a look at verses uh, in 1 through 6. Uh, and we will finish this section today. And just by way of review, just very quickly uh, so that everyone is on the same page in case you uh, were not able to join us in any one of the two previous weeks. Two weeks ago, we talked about judging and the judge, and we uh, made it very clear three things about God. One is that only God is holy, righteous, and just in all of his ways, um, because righteousness and justice are the very foundation of his throne. We found out that only God knows and sees all, which we actually even talked about as we sung this morning, uh, cleanse me, to know our hearts, our minds, because nothing is hidden from God's sight. He knows everything, and he is the one that searches and tests our hearts and our minds. And then third, only God is the lawgiver and judge, uh, because he is the creator. He is the one who has established the law, because he is the only one capable of doing so in righteousness and justice, because he is holy and wise. 
And then uh, uh, last week, we actually took the time to take a look at the importance of discerning what is right. That although Jesus is pointing out that the importance of not taking the place of God in judgment as he's addressing the spiritual leaders of his day, that we still should wisely discern what is right. We cannot just stand back and allow the world to happen around us and things happen in our lives without us taking the time to rightly judge, to rightly discern as we utilize the word of God as our springboard. Uh, and we took a look at a couple different examples, one of which we'll actually look at today in deeper detail, uh, is in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, where we're called to discern those who are hostile towards the kingdom of God, as well as uh, later on in verses 15 and 16, where we talked about the importance of discerning those who are false prophets. We also took a, a look outside of the book of Matthew. Uh, in Romans 12, we're called to discern the will of God. In a F- Philippians chapter 1, we are called to discern what is excellent, pure, and blameless. And finally, we took a look at uh, James chapter 5, where we are called to, in love, rightly bring people to repentance. And then we took a, a look in um, Matthew uh, chapter 26 at an example of unjust judgment as the disciples became indignant in relation to the woman who brought the oil to pour over uh, Jesus' head. And they, they said, why the waste? And Jesus set them straight because the disciples couldn't see everything. They didn't know what was in her heart and why she had done what she did which was a call for us to make sure that whatever standard we use in relation to looking at things, that we use God as that standard. And we uh, last time answered the question, are we um, hypocritical of the very standard uh, we judge other people by? We took a look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 23, um, because uh, God does not have a double standard. Uh, he has a, a single standard, which is, which is based on the righteousness and justice of his throne uh, from before the beginning of time. Throughout eternity, this is what God utilizes, and unequal weights are an abomination to him. Instead, as we take a look at God and as an example to us, that God is the balanced judge because he is just, he's righteous, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's loving, he's impartial, he's faithful, good, holy, long-suffering, wise, and understanding. Uh, Just a few things to consider about God, but also for us to say this is the standard by which we need to look at our own lives first, as well as the lives of those around us and the world in which we live uh, we cannot allow just emotions. We cannot allow just the circumstances to dictate our response or what we're going to do in relation to judging situations. Uh, because if we only go off of our own experience, we'll find ourselves in the same place the disciples were when they became indignant with the, the woman who was there for the purpose of what Jesus saw in preparing him to, to go to the cross. So finally, we took a look last time and answered uh, the question, can anyone except God himself know and understand all the truths, all the conditions, and all the intentions of any given situation? And the answer to that question is no, only God can. But that does not mean that we just stop and become, you know, inactive and just allow things to happen the way they're going to happen. Uh, instead, we're called to discern to discern rightly, though, to look through the right lens, God being our standard, God giving us the ability through the power of his Holy Spirit within us to be able to first look inwardly 
and to make sure that I'm right with God before I even begin to look outwardly. Uh, because if I'm wrong on the inside, then guess what's going to come out in relation to facing things and judging things? Uh, well, it's going to end up coming out uh, wrong uh, because uh, we, we need to take care of, of the home team first. And so that brings us all up to speed so that we can take a look at the remaining verses in chapter 7, um, verses 1 to 6, which um, I'd like to begin by, well, let's just start from verse 1 as we, we take a look at this and we'll read through verse 5 because this is our next section. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see, or you will see clearly, to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And let's just stop there. Um, so this next section here, uh, entitled Removing the Log from Your Eye, and I've already given testimony to the fact that we, we need to take a look at ourselves first, because the thing is, in relation to looking and seeing God as the just judge and, and, and seeing him as the one who is the judge, uh, we need to make sure that uh, we are you know, looking at our own lives first and foremost through the word of God to make sure that we are living the way that we should. And what Jesus does here is he talks about taking the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a log in your own. He's using some of this exaggerated language, which we've seen before, um, to bring home the actual foolishness of being hypocritical in our judgments towards others. And, you know, I I found a, a pretty humorous illustration to give light to this, and hopefully you'll be able to see it. But it says, ha ha, you just told him that he has a splinter in his eye and you have a beam in yours. Well, you notice he's got a trunk in his. So this is the foolishness that comes when we don't first take a look at at who we are. to, To make sure that before God, I am standing as holy and blameless as I can in my walk with him, in my communion with him, knowing full well that I'm not perfect. None of us are. But if we come into a situation without first examining ourselves and then pass judgment or try to discern what is right, we're going to miss completely. Uh, and, and really, we lose all credibility. Because as you can see, both of those guys are looking at the guy with the big tree in his, in his eye, calling them out for things that are smaller in, in their eyes. Uh, and so... Um, taking a look at the, the word here, uh, speck, comes from the Greek word uh, karphos, which literally means a dry twig or straw. So something, you know, that is a small of size. Uh, and so being, you know, minuscule in comparison to the log, which comes from the Greek word uh, dakos, which literally means a beam of timber. Uh, and I think the illustration here kind of gives a, a good thing. Uh, you know, you see the little twig as opposed to the log. Or if you're like the third guy, sometimes you've got the entire tree trunk in your eye. But ask yourself the question, how tolerant are you of your own sin in comparison to the sin of others? And that is a really hard question to ask. 
it is so much easier to look at other people and, and assess where they are spiritually to, to start passing judgment when first and foremost we don't even look at the sin in our own lives. Um, we talk oftentimes about the importance of confessing our sins uh, and knowing that God is going to you know, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this doesn't speaking to you know our position in Jesus Christ for salvation. What this is speaking to is is in relation to our communion with God, because we know that our righteousness is not based in our works. Our righteousness is based in Jesus Christ. He is the one who is righteous and holy and just. And see, sometimes in order to deflect, in order to not deal with what we would call the skeletons in our own closet, the things that are right there on the, the you know right before our face, when we take a look in that mirror and see the natural man and forget who we are and turn and look at someone else and say, well, look at you. We do that a lot of times because we want to make ourselves feel better. You know, and people do that all the time, whether they're believers or not. I mean, you can see that in in both the believing and unbelieving world because people will take and, and look at someone else and say that I'm not as bad as they are. Look what they've done. And sometimes, maybe even as a Christian, you've had unbelievers come and talk to you and say, well, uh, well, utilizing that whole first verse, who are you to judge me? You've done this. Okay, now, if what they're accusing you of is actually unconfessed sin, then you know what? They're speaking in wisdom. But if what you have, they're, they're pointing out in, in, in your life is something that you know that you've confessed to God, that you've gotten right with him, then the, the just judge has taken care of it. Jesus Christ's shed blood has taken care of it so that there is now no condemnation before God because of what Christ has done. But you'll notice that uh, in the verse, uh, Jesus goes on to say there in verse 5, he uses that word again, hypocrite. You hypocrite. And the language is such here that it, it is really uh, calling it what it is, calling a spade a spade. And we know a hypocrite is someone who conveniently forgets their own faults so they can point out someone else's. Uh, And so, you know, Jesus is pointing out and saying, you hypocrite, first, before you go looking around anywhere else outside yourself, first, take care of removing the log, the bigger thing out of your own eye, before you go pointing out the smaller thing in someone else's. So that you can, you know, and notice it says, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, sometimes when you get that splinter in your hand and you, you know it's there, you can barely see it. But because of, of, of maybe the fact that there's blood coming out and things of that sort so that you can't see to get it out, you need to remove all the obstacles so that you can get in there and get out what is, is hurting. Well, the thing is, if there's all those obstacles, which in this case is something else in your own eye, a sin that you have not dealt with, and here you are before God, guilty of unconfessed sin, not for salvation, but for bringing you closer to the Lord so that your communion is sweet and and your account is short, so that you can begin to see with clarity something in someone else. Because remember, the whole point of all this is not for you to feel better when you point out the speck in someone else's eye. It's for the purpose of of reconciling someone so that they will see their need to confess sin and be right with God. And the only way that we can do that uh, in, in any effective way or any right way is by us first taking care of, of our sin personally. 
Listen to what Spurgeon said. He said, Jesus is gentle, but he calls that man a hypocrite who fusses about small things in others and pays no attention to great matters at home in his own person. And so this is a call for us to make sure that, you know, again, we can rightly judge. We can rightly discern. But the thing is, in order for that to take place, so that we are not more guilty, as it were, than the person where we're seeing uh, something in their lives that we need to, to call out, is that we take care of ourselves first. And let me give you a real-life example of this. The Bible is full of, of real-life examples and applications. And you don't have to turn there. I'm not going to read the text in its entirety. But in Second Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 to 14, <clears throat> you know this is uh, an account... Um, of the Lord sending Nathan to King David for the purpose of showing King David the, as it were, speck in his eye. And, you know, Nathan is prepared, God has sent him, and so Nathan shares a, 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 an illustration with David to start setting the groundwork for him uh, to be able to see uh, what is wrong in David's life. And of course, you know, this rich man unjustly takes a lamb from a poor man when he has uh, a guest coming and he kills it and serves that lamb of the poor man to his guest. When he had plenty of lamb or yeah, lambs, I guess that is right, lambs himself. And notice and listen to David's response. And this is kind of familiar to even what we saw with the disciples and Jesus in relation to the woman who, you know, brought the alabaster uh, uh, vase full of precious oil. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. Well, you know what? It's right for his anger to be kindled against the man. But the problem is, is that David is not seeing his own sin first. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he has no pity. And then these words that I'm sure pierce to the very heart of King David when Nathan said to him, you are that man. See, David couldn't see his own sin after, after, um, uh, well, here, I, we're going to read it here in just a moment of what, what actually happened. But see, David was, was blind to his obvious fault, but he was very quick to pass judgment on this rich man for what he had done. And see, that's characteristic of how we are. We're very quick to pass judgment on other people, other situations, because it deflects from ourselves. And and so, you know, listen to um, what the text goes on to say in verse 9. Why have you despised the word of God to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. So, you know, King David used, you know, to his advantage, his enemies to uh, take and, and to take Uriah's life so that he could accommodate his sinful desires. And notice after Nathan very, you know, gently but yet very profoundly and to the point when he says, you are that man, listen to David's response because this is what the outcome of pointing out 
say, a speck in someone else's eye is, is, is that of, of recognition of sin, but also reconciliation to God. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. So again, we see consequences of sin. And even though David's heart is broken, even though he he had a a good friend in, in Nathan to be able to come and rebuke him, there were still consequences. And, he, and, and the thing is, David did the right thing. He realized who he sinned against. First and foremost, it was the Lord. See, the person with the log in their eye has a biased view of their own sin, pretending as if it does not exist, or is somehow more righteous than the splinter in the eye of the individual they are passing judgment upon. And this speaks to the situation with, with David and Bathsheba and Uriah, uh, and as Nathan shares that story with him. And the thing we need to remember as we're discerning, as we're, we're judging rightly, that this is really a call for repentance and confession of sin, first in our own lives to make sure we're ready, but also in those that we are looking to point out the speck in their, own, in their eye is for the purpose of drawing them back to the Lord. It's a call for repentance and confession of sin to make sure that before we look into the lives of others, we are free from the very sin that can impede our ability to discern rightly. So that we are not labeled by God, you hypocrite. And it's only at this point that we we will see God as the judge and ourselves as the sinners before the judge. And then, what, like Nathan, we can, uh, in meekness, confront sin with the intent of repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation, drawing closer to God. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him to a spirit of gentleness, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. See, the thing is, we are not above sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. But the, the truth is, is, it says here that if anyone's caught in a transgression, if someone is, is openly living in sin, openly not seeing what they've done for what it truly is before God, as a brother or sister in Christ... As those who are spiritual, again, the reason spiritual is used there is because, first, I need to make sure I'm right with God before I start pointing fingers. i got to take the log out of my own eye before I go and look at the speck in somebody else's uh, eye. And notice the, the warning, well, the, the thing is, is to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So, the, again, the whole point, rest- restoration, you know, confession of sin, forgiveness, but to keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And and so the, the, that whole package comes together there of us seeing the reason for removing the log, a log from our own eye before we try and remove the speck from someone else's. Well, finally, we have verse 6. As we take a look at this uh, section here in 
This is one that we made mention of at the beginning in our review, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and read this. Uh, a little bit of uh, somewhat cryptic and a uh, little shocking language here. Uh, it says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So when we are right before the Lord, when we have taken care of making sure that we've confessed our sins before God, and we're, we're part of the family of God, and the thing is, as we, we come together to gather as a family, uh, I, we're not coming together for the purpose of, of going around like a detective trying to find every little nuance of sin in everyone's life. We're supposed to take care of ourselves first. But there's going to be times when we do need to judge a situation rightly, where we're going to have to discern a situation rightly. Uh, and we'll find out here in, in the closing section here of the importance of doing that right in the church itself. But the thing is, is we have to recognize our audience. We need to recognize what we're dealing with when we get to that point of when we have taken the log out of our own eye before we start assessing the situation uh, in someone else. So let's take a look at a couple of the terms here. So dogs here, as it's uh, speaking to, do not give dogs what is holy. This is not speaking of your family dog. So if you have a dog in your house and you love your dog and your dog loves you, this is not the kind of dog that the text is speaking of. Uh, matter of fact, here in the the, uh, the, the Greek, it is actually uh, speaking to uh, dogs that are feral dogs, uh, dogs that would have been running around wild outside of uh, the city uh, of Jerusalem, uh, which are filthy, they're aggressive scavengers. Uh, and this is what uh, Jesus is saying as you, you know, assess a situation, as you're recognizing your audience, do not give to that dog, to that feral animal, that animal that is filthy and aggressive, a scavenger, what is holy. All right, we're going to leave that as a package. Now, pigs is also mentioned in here. It says, do not throw your pearls before pigs. Now, I don't know anybody if you've got a set of pearls or not. I don't have a set of pearls. But again, this represents something of value, you know, something of great price. And, you know, do not throw it before pigs. Well, this is not the pig Wilbur from Charlotte's Web, who is some pig. Uh, instead, again, this is a picture here in the Greek of pigs that are greedy, that are filthy, and love to wallow in the filth. Now, I don't know if you've had any exposure to pigs, even ones that we consider domestic, as it were. Um, in Alaska at Echo Ranch, we used to have pigs every summer. Uh, for the purpose of, of eating all the extra food that the kids, you know, put on their plates that their eyes were bigger than their stomachs. And so the pigs ate very, you know, well throughout the summer. Um, but the thing is, you had to be careful with them because they are pretty nasty animals. They will come up and bite you. Uh, and they, when the food comes, they, well, matter of fact, they, all they have to do is hear the one vehicle that we use to bring the slop down to the pig trough, and they come running out, and they're trampling over each other, trying to get ready to go up to that trough because they know it's dinner time. Uh, well, this is the kind of picture that is being painted here. And as you take a look at both of these animals, these feral dogs, these pigs that are greedy, filthy, and wallow in the filth, both of these animals have similar characteristics. They're wild. 
and they are foraging for the next meal. Uh, and it doesn't matter what what is involved in getting that next meal. They'll do whatever is necessary for self-preservation. And as you think about this, as their their primary concern being of foraging for the next meal, and you, and you have this picture that Jesus is painting here of you know, well, what a wild dog who is is you know nasty and aggressive and looking for its next meal have a need for anything that's holy. It seems kind of odd to associate those things. You know, would, would they even be interested in it? And I think you know the answer to that question. Um, well, would a wild pig have any need for a pearl? No, it's not practical. You know, it's not what they're looking for. It's not what they're searching for. Um, you know, is there any benefit in it? Well, no, there's no benefit in it. See, neither one of them can see the benefit or the purpose of for the pig, the pearl, and for the dog. Uh, that which is holy. So the thing is, and the caution here is Jesus is wrapping up this section and calling on, on us to make sure that we judge rightly and discern rightly first and foremost in ourselves before we look outwardly, uh, is that even when you are exactly where you need to be, even if you are at the point of being a Nathan as he's coming to King David, that sometimes when you rightly judge, when you rightly discern a situation, there's no guarantee that the person you're coming to is going to receive those wise words that they need to hear. They may act in response to you like a wild dog or a wild pig, you know, because you're bringing something to them that they, they actually need but yet they don't recognize it as what they need because they see it as something that's, you know, uh, not going to fulfill their desire because they're too busy focused on what they want as opposed to what they really truly need. Proverbs 23.9 says, I think I've got that here. Yes, I do. Um, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. See, this doesn't matter if, if the person you're coming to is a believer or not. Because even as we come and we share the good news of the gospel, which is the fact that we are all sinners, that we're dead in our trespasses and sins, that there's nothing that we can do in and of our own selves to, to, to warrant or to gain salvation or forgiveness of sins apart from Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Or if you're coming to a believer who has the very word of God, who's been transformed by the, the, the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who has the Holy Spirit living inside of them, even though you may be bringing them the truth, they may not receive it. They may not take it well. Sometimes sin even blinds those who belong to God. King David is a prime example his sin blinded him. His actions blinded him. But yet his vision seemed to be twenty twenty when he saw the situation with the rich man and, and the poor man. And the caution here is he finishes out verse 6 here. It says, Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. See, they may see... Or they may seek to harm the messenger instead of heeding the message. And that is a strong possibility. Now, does that mean that we don't 
communicate it because we're afraid of what may happen or we're, you know, or, you know, whatever that case may be. Well, the answer to that question is no, because, uh, and we're going to see this in full in relation to the, the church, the bride of Christ. But the fact is, is we're, we're doing this out of love for the, the purpose of restoration, forgiveness, for us to, to not have any impedances that are going to keep us from walking with the Lord. And that includes our brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, in our last couple of moments together this morning, as we finish out this section, I've entitled this last section, Remaining Faithful for the Sake of Christ. I want to just look at one word that's in verse 6, and that's the word give. It says, do not give. Well, in Greek, the word give is in the active voice, meaning that the person is currently in the act of giving. Um, this is something that we should already be in the act of doing. And so we should already be in the act of discerning, first, who we are before God to make sure that we don't have the log in our own eye, but also be in the act of, of, of looking around us to see if there's someone else that is, is captive or blinded by their sin because they don't see it, because maybe they're embracing what the culture has said, you know what, the Bible's just an old book, and this is where the culture has evolved to, and therefore we should embrace it as uh, the world does. Well, that's someone being blinded by their sin, saying that, you know, God is out of date and that his truth is not eternal. But that doesn't excuse us from taking and looking at the word of God and, and first looking at ourselves, but then also looking at the church as a whole. And I think there's an important application here for us to realize in the life of the church. You know, we cannot be afraid of rightly confronting sin. Because remember, we, we represent as those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ as the, the precious, uh, not the precious, the, the, um, the bride of Christ. You know, and a bride wears white because it's supposed to represent purity. Now, does that mean every bride wear, that wears white is pure? The answer to that question is obviously no. But as those who have been redeemed, who are no longer, you know, slaves to sin, who are no longer like they used to be because you were, were once one of those, you know, on that list of things that, that characterize, you know, the sinful world, that's not who we are anymore. And if the purpose of us as the body of believers, as the bride of Christ, is to be pure in our witness to a, an impure, God-hating world, then we need to make sure that as a body of believers, that we are all taking care of ourselves first to make sure that we're walking with the Lord as closely as we can, that we're not compromising, that we're not allowing sin to blind us. But then, too, as we, we look, you know, uh, you know, from the leadership to the church, as well as brother to brother, sister to sister, that we are remaining pure as a body of believers. Because when one of us is blinded by sin, don't be fooled into thinking that that does not affect the whole. It does affect the body. Uh, and therefore, this here is a call for us to make sure that we are discerning and, and looking in relation to how we live in a fallen world. Listen to, in closing here, 1 Peter chapter 4. I'd like to begin reading in verse 12 uh, as it speaks to all of this and, and kind of gives us a, a, you know, a little bit of a challenge in relation to making sure that we are taking care of ourselves spiritually, individually as well as corporately. 
It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of, uh, of glory and of God rests upon you. Verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Verse 18, and if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So the call here being is that, you know, God expects us, God commands us to walk with him, to examine ourselves, to to make sure that we are keeping a short account with God. Now, who we are in Jesus Christ in relation to salvation and, and who we are in relation to eternity as those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is that we are 100% paid in full, taken care of, and God will bring us home because the seal of the, the Spirit will guarantee that. But the thing is, is we still struggle with sin. <clears throat> and there's going to be temptations that come into our lives. As we read in, in Galatians 6.1, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted but also trials will come into our lives because God is, is continuing to, to form that character for us to, to be drawn closer to him, to strengthen us for what's yet to come, things that we don't even know we're going to face. But the caution being there to make sure that none of us suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler because God expects us to represent being that spotless bride to be those that show our love for the Lord. Not perfect here, we're not. But that doesn't give us a license and a liberty to just go ahead and be blind to sin. Because if it didn't matter, then Nathan didn't need to come and talk to King David. But it does matter. And as the king over all of Israel, King David needed to see his sin for what it was. And in love, Nathan came to him and shared with him and showed him the speck in his eye. And his response was, I have sinned against the Lord. See, the whole purpose of all of this is not just to make ourselves feel better. If anything, that's not even the case. Do I feel good when I am, is, you know, my sin is confessed and I'm walking with the Lord and everything is great and I'm, you know, on that, that upward, you know, trajectory towards the, the, the summit? Absolutely. Is the opposite true when I'm giving in to, to temptations and allowing myself to think things or say things or do things that I shouldn't as I'm going downward? Well, yes, I absolutely feel that way. I feel awful. Sometimes it's my wife who is the one that says, you know what? Did you realize that you did this? Do you know, do you realize that this is what the kids heard when you said that? Now, my wife doesn't do that for the purpose of pointing the finger and saying, I'm a better parent than you. 
No, she does it because she loves me and she loves our children and she loves the Lord. And she wants to make sure that as we parent together, that we're parenting as a reflection of our our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same is true even in the church. Because we want to make sure that we're right with God. We want to make sure that we are, you know, walking according to the will of God. You know, discerning what the will of God is individually, but also corporately as a church. And so, may we remain faithful for the sake of Christ, even though there may be those that are dogs around us or pigs around us or those that are coming with the big log in their eyes. The goal is for us to make sure that we are keeping even the specks out of our own. So yes, we can judge rightly. Yes, we can discern rightly. And it starts by us realizing that the standard by which we do so is God himself. And all for his glory. Not to make us feel better. Not for us to deflect so that we can't see our own sin. It's for the purpose of drawing each and every one of us in for forgiveness, for reconciliation, and for repentance. Let's close in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the truth of this passage today. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you care enough for us to understand the importance of being right with you first. Uh, That you have given us a, a keen mind that as we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we are gaining knowledge pertaining to your son, Jesus Christ. So we can know him better, but also know ourselves better to know how we should respond to any given situation. That first and foremost, we should take care of, of our walk with you before we go and look at the walk of someone else. Because at that point, we are doing so with the, the hopes of being that person who is spiritual, bringing someone else who is not seeing their sin and maybe stumbling uh, and walking around, uh, not realizing the impact that they're having. Because we know a little leaven does a lot of damage. Uh, and Lord, we, we pray uh, that you would help us to, to make sure that we are keeping our walk with you pure and blameless and righteous as we look to you who is the judge, the one whose foundation, uh, very throne, is that of righteousness and justice. And give us the grace to be able to call those back that need to be called back. Whatever the reason is, whether it's the culture in the world in which we live, if it's because of what other churches are doing that are not following in line with your word, uh, because they're compromising, uh, maybe it's just because it's something that uh, we struggle with in particular, a, a sin that we find that is easy to fall back into to love one another enough to to draw each and every one back to you. All for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, We trust that this section has been an encouragement to you to rightly judge and rightly discern not only your own life individually, but the, the, the world in which we live, because we're called to do so. We're not sitting around doing nothing. We're engaging. You know, where we live in the world, we're just not of it. Uh, and so in living in the world, we need to know how to rightly judge and rightly discern. And so may this be a, an encouragement to you uh, as we uh, continue in the Sermon on the Mount.